Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Yeah, we're back. Hopefully back properly now. Do it yeah. quickly. Because all of our shit is pretty much done. My wife's series, she's finished doing all the writing now in theory, <laughs> touch wood. And uh, half my tooth is emptied out. I had a root canal last week. I've got to have another half of it uh, this week. Um, but when we got together, we were going to record last week, and uh, I still had all the anaesthetic <laughs> uh, in my uh, in my gums. So uh, like it would be flapping gums, but it would be literally rather than so metaphorically. I'm so upset with that tooth. <laughs> it's because because of your toothing. That's what led us all on the weekend to look up teeth fetishes. <laughs> I hate you. I hate myself for doing the searching. I was going to say <laughs> you were doing it. You don't. You know what I'm like. I can't be trusted. <laughs> You just can't let an idea rest, can you? No, never. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so this week, so okay, this one, one brief thing. Yeah, I don't ever want to talk about anti-Semitism again. I'm not in the Labour Party. I will not be joining the Labour Party anytime soon. They need to fucking deal with it. Yeah, and that is all I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I'm um, done. I'm bored of it. I'm so bored of it. That being said, people who want to start wearing yellow stars because they don't like Jeremy Corbyn, get fucked, you disgusting monsters. <laughs> That's so gross. No, it's this is the era. This is the era when you play you play with symbols and you you know deploy them in radical new disruptive Just wait for John Wilcott to walk ways. in the stripy fucking prison clothes of a big yellow star as he stands in Parliament and looks at him. <laughs> fucking animals. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. What are we going to talk about? Um, uh, Jeremy Hunt made me laugh. His wife, his oh, Chinese yeah. wife, Japanese. So when he was in China, um, so he no, when he was in Japan, where was he? China. And he was speaking he was Japanese. China. He was speaking Japanese. Yeah, he spoke Japanese for some reason. I don't know. He could speak Japanese. Okay, he was just showing off. And then he referred to his wife as Japanese, even though she yeah. is. It was, it was probably just a little fuck up because of all the stuff. But you know, it's not that surprising that Jeremy Hunt would make that kind of fuck up. I did see he was going there to like, and obviously hmm. he went there because he has a Chinese wife and he has kids, and he stressed the kind of cultural link that his family personally had with China. And I can't imagine like how that was received because, let's face it, Chinese billionaires buying up stuff in London mm. or, or Britain generally, buying up stuff. I mean, I'm sure they like it, but it's like, so what are we offering? What yeah. are you offering? Well, no, I think we're going to have... Um... Are you going to take more of our billionaires <laughs> and more of our capital? It's, um, it's, I think, the plan is now, in a post-Brexit world, mm. after we crash out with uh, no deal, mm. that our economy will be saved with a free trade agreement with specifically Wish.com. <laughs> yeah, and we'll our get economy will be on based there. on like anime shirts, um, su- surprising amount of tasers and knives. I um, mean, we'll starve to death because uh, we'll order all our shopping online, but it will take eight weeks to get here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's what he's trying to do: try to <laughs> um, form an alliance with Wish.com with the elusive billionaire who runs Wish.com. <laughs> I imagine he's prob he probably looks quite insane. I just got. I just imagined like a, a man in like a shipping container, <laughs> wearing like a Dragon Ball Z hoodie. Yeah, with all of his wares, um, and ten knives, <laughs> ten knives, a taser, and a Dragon Ball Z hoodie, and, <laughs> and a gun that he hasn't bothered to assemble because you <laughs> yeah. know, like they sell guns in tiny little pieces, yeah, so it can get through customs. I'm talking like the smallest Lego piece size. Yeah, oh, God bless that. Point. Yeah, it's, so good. it's fantastic. Yeah, there's um, yeah, they've gone on holiday yet. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, so we're into silly season. 
I don't know what to say about that. Actually, actually, um, fucking cut that because I it was a silly season, and it's like, oh, I'll say some news articles, but I don't have anything. There's no, <laughs> nothing. It's um, the main thing is um, Love Island is finished now, so okay. I don't have Love Island to watch. Um, the final of Love Island reinforced to me that um, the ITV is watched by a whole bunch of racists because the one a boring white couple got ahead of Hold the on. two very nice black. Hold couples. on, are you well, telling me couples? the broadcaster of a thousand cop shows? Which channel doesn't a little bit reactionary? Which channel doesn't broadcast a thousand cop shows? The Food Network. It does broadcast a thousand cop shows. Food Police. Yeah. Policing your dietary choices. What do you think that Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares is other than Food Police? Oh, that's a good point, actually. I'm not sure if it's on the Food Network, but yeah, you're right. He's probably got something on there. Gordon Ramsay, Food Cop. (laughs) Just kicks indoors and says, you're cooking it wrong! (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I hate everything to do with every party at the moment. We could probably tie it into, actually, uh, did you see the, uh, in fact you did see, because it was sent to our group chat, but... Did you see the Tory party were offering um, Love Island water bottles? They've already had to stop that because Love Island said no. Because they were trying to sell knockoff Love Island ones. Yeah. They weren't as good as the Love yeah. Island ones. Somebody pointed out that you could have a custom message. Yeah. This is the on the Tory party website. Hmm. You could have a custom message printed down the side of your genuine, 100% guaranteed, not Love Island bottle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and somebody pointed out that like you could do more than 15 characters, whereas on the Love Island website you could apply for one, but it... It was at a maximum of fifteen characters for your custom message. Yeah, it's like, are they selling knockoff Love Island bottles? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> giving them away with membership. That's insane. Yeah, that's an insane thing. And to, to be do. fair, the, from like the kind of well, that the politics of one person that came out from Love Island, they're slightly to the right of the Conservative Party. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so oh, mm. oh, just um, yeah, ugh. yeah. Speaking of slightly to the right of the Conservative Party, yes, our main topic this week, mm-hmm. the alt-right. Now, we discussed going to the uh, anti-Tommy Robinson demo. Was that the last episode we did, or was it the episode before that? Might have been the last one, yeah. Um, you went to the anti-alt, I went to the free Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> there was me dressed dressed up in my, um, I was wearing a literal butcher's apron. <laughs> and you, did you get your free Tommy? I did, I got my free Tommy, um... It was like it wasn't as big as they said. He's significantly short. Unfortunately, it was Tommy Sheridan. <laughs> oh God! Oh. oh, came in to your home. Oh, they had good Tommies. Uh, Tommy Gunn. Is that a good? Is that a good Tommy? No. <laughs> no, Tom. no, Tommy Cooper. There are lots of good Toms. Yeah. That seems to be a popular like left wing name online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in real life, presumably. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, there's, 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 anyone but there's no po- good Tommy. Anyone in politics called Tommy. No, mm-hmm. bad. So we went to that uh, demonstration last week um, where there were two separate demonstrations, one for Trump and one to free Tommy. Prominent at both are kind of new uh, right-wing activists, not your same old BMP, mm. national action kind of people. Uh, the alt-right, mm. who are they? What do they do? And, again, who are they? <laughs> um, and uh, just, <clears throat> I just thought, like, start with the proviso. Like, anything, anytime you mention the alt-right online or, like, criticise them in any way, a lot of people seem to get pylons. Pile We're probably under the radar enough to avoid pylons. Mm. Um, but just in case, like, somebody searches alt-right or whatever and decides to, like, get, mm. get on us, um, yes, I did take the Soros money. <laughs> um, white genocide's really good. I will not debate You're you. You're taking part in white genocide. Uh, I am. 
that's I specifically taking remember part in white genocide. When we my were, partner when is we were, not um, white. Yeah, when we were young, when we were like, um, yeah. when we were little teenagers, and we all took solemn vows mm-hmm. to not breed yeah. with Aryan women. Uh, solemn vows and uh, action as well, praxis and theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will. I, I won't debate any of you. Um, I'm against Enlightenment values. I hate them. Uh, I did no research into any of the alt right. Um, no. All of my uh, conclusions are biased, and uh, my uh, values are mainly not based on logic, but on blind panic and um, magic based on white men's tears. Yep. mostly my own. Um, and eat just a, lot a little provider. And eat a lot of soy. Oh, I, I actually do eat quite a bit of soy. Yeah, soy. Yeah, <laughs> soy. Yeah. Off, off brand soy. You would be able to say soy, yeah. but you're so weak from protein deficiency. Oh, why do you, you think I had? Why do you think I had this tooth out? Yeah, your teeth are falling out because yeah. you're not eating enough red meat. Yep. <laughs> um, so Steve Bannon. Yeah, Steve Bannon's pretty great. He's the entry point into this mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, he was over uh, roughly the same time as Trump was. <laughs> Yeah, he was. For uh, some of the Free Tommy demonstrations. Obviously, we talked about how he went into the... Uh, did we talk about how he went into the LBC studios? Yeah, he did. Did an interview with uh, Majid Nawaz? No. Who is? Nigel Farage. Oh, of course. Like, oh, of course he would. He Majid with, Nawaz would be too much of a challenge. Yeah, he did it with Nigel Farage, but for legal reasons, there had to be another journalist in the room because otherwise you're literally just putting up an advert for Steve Bannon. Um... <laughs> And, yeah, Steve Bannon got very angry with the, <laughs> the journalist who asked him a question. <laughs> yeah, he called uh, he called Tommy Robinson the backbone of this country um, and advocated civil war by saying you're going to have to fight to take your country back every day. Mm. Um, the following Wednesday, it emerged that Bannon has been having discussions with Boris Johnson mm-hmm. over the Tory leadership. And uh, If I was going to start a civil war, if I was <clears> going to be fighting, like... A civil war, like an actual, honest to goodness civil war in this country, would be mm. genuinely horrifying. Yeah. Like it would be, it would, we're a very small country, mm. um, very densely populated, and then big areas of nothing. Who I would want at my side, back to back in the trenches, is Boris Johnson, <laughs> a fat alcoholic. Yeah. Well, you know, Steve Bannon, of course, not uh, <laughs> Boris Johnson. Actually, maybe Boris Johnson as well. Um, or maybe he doesn't booze that much. I don't know. Like but, claret, but he runs as well, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's mainly... I, Very useful to, in a war, being able to run. Yeah, would you <laughs> want to be anywhere near him? Yeah. Ever. Well, also, like a, you know what a civil war would look like in this country. It wouldn't be like the kind of... It wouldn't be armies moving across. It would be small gangs of men setting up roadblocks and mm. checkpoints everywhere. Mm. Like... Um, like in like somewhere like Colombia or um, mm. or Italy after the war, mm. it would be just rover. It would be banditry. Everyone would revert to banditry. Yeah, and so and like enforce weird like not Sharia law because they don't like that, but it would be Christian Sharia law yeah. in like the hamlet of Glamstead on Heath or something. You know, you know how it would go. Yeah. It'd be the only man in the village with a gun and seven of his cousins, <laughs> fucking setting up roadblocks and checking cars for escaping women. You know, it would be, that's what would be horrifying about it. Just imagine the money man of this horrible civil war would be Fingy from Weber's Boots. <laughs> Tim Martin. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Bannon was here mm. advocating civil war and wearing two shirts. Yeah, um, and day drinking. Thing about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gave an interview to the Daily Beast um, roughly the same time. Um, 
setting himself up as a rival to George Soros. So uh, he wants a right-wing alternative to George Soros's Open Society Foundation, which has given away $32 billion to largely liberal causes since 1984. Bannon said, Soros is brilliant. He's evil, but he's brilliant. He seems to think that he's going to set up something called uh, The Network, I think it is. Yeah, he's a real genius. Um, <laughs> uh, hoping to unite Europe's far-right parties against migration and against kind of uh, George Soros generally. This is mainly with his Seinfeld money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, w- entirely with his Seinfeld money. He did mention money. He said um, he knows he doesn't have enough money for it, mm. but is cheered by the fact that the Vote Leave campaign only spent £7 million. Pa- sorry, quote marks, only spent £7 million. Pounds. <laughs> they did not only spend £7 million. Um, <laughs> uh, he said... When they told me the spending cap was 7 million, I go, you mean 70 million? What the fuck? 7 million doesn't buy you anything. It doesn't buy you Facebook data. It doesn't buy you ads. It doesn't do anything. Dude, you just took the fifth largest economy in the world out of the EU for 7 million pounds. And it's like, no, they didn't. You seem to be ignoring the 40 years of solid propaganda against the EU that went up to the actual vote itself. If anything, like the money that was made straight after the vote, you know, when the current mm. when the pound crashed and all that kind of shit, and yeah. some people made a lot of money. I don't think I don't think that the people the general amount of money that has gone towards leaving the EU since the 1970s, they have they're never making that back. <laughs> it was a terrible investment. <laughs> a terrible investment. Yeah. I So he's um trying to Again, it's it's difficult to tell with him images versus reality because, mm. like, every paper, every media outlet seems to have a vested interest in making him look like this fat, sweaty genius. And it's like, he seems to me like somebody who has half read every book he's ever started. <laughs> like, yeah, he has read Lenin. He has read, I don't know, Julius Evola or he's whatever. He's read the word Lenin. He, yeah, he half, he half read it. Or he read some of the really short stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's like, aha, here we go. Without actually getting into, you know, the 70 years of arguments yeah. around all of it. Yeah, he, the legitimising of him in the British media is mm. kind of... Because uh, he was on Good Morning Britain. Yeah. He was on LBC. He was on Newsnight. Mm. Why? Um, I'll tell you why. It's because we have been so conditioned. Like, he looks like a villain. Like, oh, yeah. he, there is nothing about him that could look any less like a kind of mad political scientist. But mm. we've been so conditioned by the Marvel movies to desire entertainment out of our politics <laughs> that, of course, we need him because we need him to be the ultimate evil. And to do that, we need him to not make a mistake. Mm. We, I say we, I mean, like, the culture generally mm. around politics needs him to be a, a, a mad professor mm. like creating this Frankenstein of anti-immigration sentiment nationalism and protectionism which goes entirely against what liberal Britain thinks of itself as far as like free trade capitalism and open to immigration all that yes. no matter what the lies both people are fo- both sides are fooling each other but mm. they need it and of course they would give him he's he's money he's yeah. viewers he's clicks it's all that horrible thing the justification of like you know they're doing they the the argument of the Nick Griffin figure of like you know what destroyed the BNP it was when he went on Question Time yeah it did not destroy the BNP uh, it's if, it, if it did like the BNP got massive increase in membership when I was looking into this um, I think it was what's his name I think it was Jack Buckby who was the guy who founded he's quite still quite young. He was with the BNP for a while. He tried to found something called the National Culturalists. 
where he tried to give like far right ideologies like an intellectual sheen by making up a word. Okay. Because that's how you do it. Yeah. Um, he was with Liberty GB for a while, and he's now um, with uh, For Britain, the oh, Anne Marie yeah. Waters party. Yeah. Um, he gave an interview where he said, "I saw him on uh, on Question Time, and I thought it was very unfair how they weren't listening to him." Exactly. And uh, he's, like, "I look into him, and I say, oh, he seems like a good bloke.'" And it's like you've just given the next generation mm. a reason, and it won't be everybody. That's the thing; mm. it won't be a lot of those people, but it will be just enough. Mm. There's there's nothing that they add to it except mm. for views because mm. I imagine that was a very highly rated episode of Question Time. Probably the highest rated. Yeah, I think almost it certainly, was, or at least at the top. And while, of course, it's fun to watch like proper fash be battered around when they think that they have an... Because all fash think they have an intellectual case. Oh, yeah, they do. They, and it's awesome to see it bashed around, but it does untold harm mm. in the grand scheme well, of things. Well, at least now there's... I think there's at least... There's at least one. I think there's probably more than one. Mm. Um, presenters on LBC who regularly use the term cultural Marxism. Mm. As if it's okay. Yeah. As yeah. if it's okay to use that word. Yeah. In the same, like, because they do that on LBC, each presenter has their three hours. Yeah. And each hour will be a theme. Mm-hmm. And for example, this will be the only other time I mention anti Semitism. Um, there'll be an hour on cultural Marxism mm-hmm. and how it's ruining the country. The second hour will be on how Jeremy Corbyn's anti Semitism is ruining the country. <laughs> and, um... With, as well, with no, I mean, like, they've, the alt right, generally they have they are starting to gather um a whole body of knowledge mm. that they can call back to this is part of their their strategy yeah. now they've been around for long enough they know enough of the people that they can link very disparate elements of the far right and mm. very disparate ideas into something that they can fish they can fish something out of if they're ever attacked if they yeah. ever need to make a video or whatever mm. cultural marxism being one of them and like the fucking paucity of our like media coverage doesn't note that for years and years, and still, cultural Marxism is viewed as part of a global Jewish conspiracy mm. because most of the Frankfurt School were Jewish. Mm. Like Adorno and Walter Benjamin and people like that were Jewish. Mm. <laughs> it's, and the fact that it's been a dog whistle. But, that, but then that's There's the, a recurring thing in the alt right as well of um, putting their vile... It's like some of their really vile rhetoric out there hmm. and saying it's sort of a joke or pretending that they don't realise hmm. but they know full well what they're doing. And it's just... It's it's really... Well, it's not galling. It's not surprising at all that the, that the media laps yeah. it up and just does this shit. The word is out there. Once they say cultural Marxism, whenever... That's why they're so keen to demand a debate. They fucking demand a debate of everybody mm. because once the word is out there, the word has to be answered and it cannot be answered with you're just stupid <laughs> because then the word is already out there unchallenged. Mm-hmm. You need to go deeper and of course, none of the none of the platforms that they're on allow any kind of deeper thing and frankly, most casual observers aren't going to go and look to see what that means. They're going to look at all of that stuff on face value mm. and there is no answer for like... Well, there is an answer for cultural Marxism, but it takes longer than 280 tweets or mm. a three-hour-long YouTube video. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to matter that, like... And it's it's the way that they're starting to fish people in as well. Um, Count Dankula being an example. So, mm. I don't know what he was like before. 
I'm going to assume, before the pug incident, if mm. you didn't know, he was, oh, um, yeah, he was, he was charged with, um, found inciting, guilty found guilty, in fact, of inciting racial hatred, um, uh, send, well, it was actually sending grossly offensive communications <laughs> is the technical thing that he was, uh, he was charged with. Uh, he was found guilty and charged 800 pounds in the middle of all this. He started backing off because he was under attack. He started backing off and found allies with Sargon of Akkad, fucking Cernovich. I call um, bullshit on him finding allies Principal. afterwards. The man True, has, yeah, the that's man has the thing. an old Volknut tattoo. Uh, yeah, sure. It's, yeah, like, it's, the Volknut. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's there on his arm. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a ho- yeah, but I mean, he said he used to be a communist. No, yeah, yeah, it's like, I know, yeah. yeah, everyone can say anything they fucking want. <laughs> but there's so many, and it, it's it's not just um, the, what we would consider technically all right across the board. There's a whole range of right wing conservative, sometimes even soft conservative mm. figures, like uh, let's say Ni- I, I've made a list. Nigel Bigar. Mm. So the guy who. Um, He's a theology professor. You've been making lists. And he, I've been making lists of prominent people uh, just in case. <laughs> I, I've got a really bad memory, so I just need to make a couple of lists. Get together with keep my, in a, with keep my in friends a, and I, we meet in a basement yeah. once a month, a different basement each month, yeah. so we can't be trapped. Because we, we've all got really bad memories. We, we, you know, we have to repeat yeah. some certain things before we start, and then we're, we're amassing our list. We, we do have a name. It is the Black Hand. But... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so you got Wish.com your... has been very useful for the Black Hand. <laughs> got all our ninja outfits on there. Because <laughs> you can find ninja outfits. Anyway, so Bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Nigel Bigger tried to set up a an imperial like history, a history of the Empire unit at a university. And, mm. and after doing several articles about that, inexplicably, the Times published a professor of you know <laughs> theology talking about imperial history. Oh, that's a weird thing. How many books did he write that could base it? Could all of it just be reduced down to? Trains, yeah. Um, no, he was. See, this is the thing that you were saying about uh, Count Dankula, about mm. him having a fash past. He had written a book in two thousand and three, uh, justifying war on a Christian basis, justifying just war, like just war. Oh, very nice. Um, and <laughs> using the Iraq War as an example of a moral war. I. So, like you said, like, it's not that's... exactly like it's. That seems like definitely something that a Christian should spend their time working on. When is it justifiable to wage war? That seems like an incredibly Christian notion. <laughs> that seems like a good idea. But he, not something suspect. He was called out. What are you doing, Papa? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I'm just looking I'm for just the scouring Bible the Bible <laughs> for justification for glassing a whole country. But Papa, there's this whole other half of the book that talks about how war is bad. Yeah, it's not as useful as the Old Testament, for sure. <laughs> Awful lot of post-it notes up to and including kings. <laughs> put, that lob- put that lobster down and start putting together bullets. <laughs> no shellfish for you. <laughs> um, he naturally, Nigel Bigar naturally got blowback for this. Uh, in particular, Prim Vada Gopal um, wrote a couple of things criticising this and saying this is bollocks. And he immediately came out with exactly the same line, mm. which is he found certain allies on particularly like the Blue Labour Front and the, and the with the Tories. And immediately he was the one who was the victim. They were repressing his free speech. Mm. Universities are like 
ghettos of left-wing thought, etc., etc., etc. And now he's fully in there, and so he can talk about any of that old like yeah. cultural Marxism, repression of free speech, white men aren't free to do anything. Bullshit. So up being a white man. The 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 narrative just uh, for these people to fall back onto exactly the same talking points is so established now after yeah. I mean how long has the alt-right really been around three four years properly maybe Prison Paul started his YouTube channel in like 2011 mm. so that's seven years let's say mm. for, a, for a proper like going back into that like yeah. uh, neo-reactionary dark enlightenment shit yeah and then Gamergate sort of Gamergate of course yeah another like, very important condensed it yeah gave them their first real cause to fight against it was them ref- it was them refining the tactics that they used as a mass movement which tended to be posting people's addresses <laughs> posting people's pictures online um which i think i read an article this week by um peter mitchell i think it's pdk mitchell mm-hmm. on twitter which was very good um on the rudyard kipling um poem thing at University of Manchester. Yeah, getting rid of one of the most disgustingly <clears throat> boring Protestant poems that's I, ever been written. Yeah, it's like, I fucking, I fucking hate Rudyard Kipling. Every every couple of years or so, there's this huge effort to rehabilitate him. Mm. Every, there's a, you know, they'll make a documentary of that. Like, he really loved India. And it's like, yeah, of course he fucking did. Yeah. He was a king. Yes. He went there when he was like 20 and just could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. In you know when Britain is you know increasingly industrialized and um, in, in industrialized and restricted, and he gets to go to India and ride roughshod. My grandparents really liked it in Kenya. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's. No, anyway. Kipling's a scumbag. Yes, uh, yeah, so, so it trash was, anyway. Uh, he, and if I've always held a certain dislike for if because it's a proper. It's a proper, like, strong Christian individualist kind of thing. It's never properly appealed to me. It's like, if you're a moral person, if you can go through all of this Protestant suffering, hmm. then you will come out of it a better person. And it's like, I don't. I have worked with people who've worked very hard individually, alone, all their lives. Most of my jobs were with people like that. And they don't come out stronger. They come out broken fucking messes. Hmm. I've just never agreed with the sentiment behind it. But University of Manchester decided to put the whole If poem by Rudyard Kipling up in their main atrium. It was um, torn down. It wasn't or... in their main atrium. It was in a student union. Oh, was it room. in a student union? Oh, sorry, it's a yeah. student union yeah. common room that hardly anyone goes in. Well, is there, like in the in general, the mm. real world, it's a small part of it's a small part of the university. Sure. Um, activists from the student union took it down. Or, or uh, covered it over with a Maya Angelou poem. Hmm. Um, what's more interesting, I mean, that's that's happening at, at the moment all the time. There's a big old cultural war going on. That yeah. is not uh, entirely uh, unexpected. What happened afterwards was lots of photos. Hmm. Photos of the people who had put the thing up. Yeah. No faces blanked out. Yeah. No, like, names published. Uh, same thing happened with um, Lola... F- Lola. I'm sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing this. Lola... Ofuemi at Cambridge when she talked about decolonising the curriculum and adding yeah. all black authors that was in the Telegraph with a, a byline saying um, Banning white ban white authors from things says essentially Killjoy student union president yeah um, and again that was on the front Killjoy page Killjoy student union president says Shakespeare sucks <laughs> 
huge photo on the front, naming her, opening her up to all kinds of abuse. Here is her pin code. Yeah, there is there is no. The mainstream media, where it chooses to adopt alt right uh, attitudes towards things, has also started adopting their tactics, mm. which is openly naming and shaming people mm. to try and drive them out. Yeah. To try and dissuade people from when they make that choice about well, they, whether to take action or not, mm. to not take action. Well, they did now, with real politics. Yeah, they did. They did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know what what they did was you know questionable. I think. Uh, the post it was the post oh, yeah, but picture it was of, um, one one of them one of the group yeah did it, true, true. yeah I but know, you know they I did know. there was yeah to be honest there's literally nothing that they have they have done or could possibly could possibly do know them reasonably well reading them for a while um there's nothing that those guys would do that would could ever justify that the, two page the spread. two page spread with all of their photos on yeah it. um horrifying I mean also it, it helps for the Times and the Telegraph especially, and the Daily Mail, helps that most of the people taking part in this activism, in this activism are young. They are either at uni or, interestingly enough, they always choose like what are obviously university photos mm. to put up on there. Yeah. Reinforces the idea that they're young, they're stupid, they don't know what they're doing. Mm. You know, So it kind of gives some authority to the way that the alt-right behave. When the alt-right do it, they like go mental, all caps mm. typing, and they post an address or they post a picture. Mm. You know, fuck this bitch. Or, you know, they'll say that kind of stuff. Now, like, obviously, Antifa do that. Um, they do the same thing. Mm. The difference is most of the people who are talking about racial and gender issues are not doing so just because they choose to, mm. but because their very existence predicates the need to do that hmm. like it's hard to kind of I, as a white man i a white straight man can't really say that i've ever felt marginalized in that way hmm. and so when people do that kind of thing when they go against kind of decolonizing education and decolonizing british culture in that way hmm. um they're doing it because it makes it's a way of communicating to make their lives easier yeah they need to chisel out their right to exist in yeah. society and it's disgusting that whenever someone tries to do that, even on like a really base level, yeah, like on a really like a really simple, small scale thing, mm. like I really don't like looking at this poem every time I sit down and rest in my my little common area, yeah. And they're treated like like they just spat at the queen. Mm. Whereas if they had actually spat at the queen, <laughs> um, they would have been shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really gross. Um, yeah, this is the kind of way that the alt-right... And the alt-right are coming into it not from some fusty position of conservatism, although plenty of them are fusty conservatives. Mm -hmm. What they're trying to do is tweak the image just enough. I sent you a picture today because I've been looking into the London Forum, mm. which is a kind of secretive um, neo-Nazi organising uh, group in London <laughs> and across the... UK and the world. They've got chapters in a lot of different countries. Are they the ones that met? At they the are the one that met, at, that met at the old coffee house that Hope Not Hate uh, infiltrated. Hmm. Um, I showed you a picture earlier on. Um, one of their main organisers, Stead Steadman. <coughs> Steed Steedman? Stead Steadman. Hmm. I don't know. That's fucking enough to go to the gulag straight away. Yeah. That kind of name. Um, 
he's standing next to uh, at one of the London Forum meetings, standing next to this guy like he's got um, earrings, he's got like a, a checked shirt. He's he looks like a kind of average like twenty five year old, mm. um, and that's literally the tweak. They have very little political difference, but they're just tweaking the aesthetic because mm. that's. We've, I've said it many times before, but that's what fascism is about. Mm. It's not about solving political problems. It's about bringing a different sheen to the existing political problems mm. in order to cover them over. Walter Benjamin, you know, left-wingers want to make uh, uh, art political mm. and fascism, fascists want to make uh, politics into an art, into mm. aesthetics. Mm. And they've tried to kind of cover themselves in this like punk sheen. <clears throat> yeah, that that that's an a very very yeah that was a prison pool film, wasn't one. it? Yeah, you it's know, like we are we are the new punks. Except all no, of, they said punk rock. Yeah, so yeah, I kind of get that punk rock shit. Also, not understanding the difference between punk and punk rock yeah. is quite revealing. Yeah, right. But also, blink one eighty two of politics. <laughs> also, it feels like they've kind of. <laughs> rather than like actually understanding the spirit of what punk was trying to do mm. they've like appropriated the things that a tv documentary might say were punk like you'll yeah. see like sounds of the 70s and it's like i've got a safety pin and that's it <laughs> you know like they're appropriating like ironic nihilism mm. like brattish petulance and mm. uh and like a, a kind of wafer thin anti-authoritarianism that mm. extends to as far as pissing some people off <laughs> but not the right people and not all the time yeah you know mm. um it's the same when they do the enlightenment thing mm. they it's like they've watched a, a bbc document you know <laughs> all disrespect to the bbc i hate your documentaries i think they're shit but they seem to have taken the enlightenment values that they saw in a bbc documentary which yeah. means traveling to italy <laughs> um and talking about like oh reasonable debate very quiet only white men allowed uh, we're, we're gonna it, we're gonna look into this giant magnifying glass at a bowl of fruit that's been painted, uh, and we're going to have a, a reasonable discussion about only the things that we can prove, and that's it. Mm. And it's like you don't care anything about any of the history of the Enlightenment. It's no. just you're just taking up the mantle because liberalism's collapsing. Yeah, you are just taking that. Um, yeah, they are they are learning some interesting things. One of the things I remember from the anti anti fascist march, and I have seen it on other uh, like fascist demonstrations, uh, they seem to be taking the whose streets are streets mm -hmm. thing. Uh, they seem to have learned the, now. This is probably from the U.S. alt right more than the U.K. alt right, um, who are still kind of bound together within the same groups around the same individuals. Mm. Um, it's usually a load of people left over from EDL and BMP but in the US um, they're starting to do kind of direct action things so Generation Identity mm. her, who are kind of a, 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 couple of things <clears throat> a rising alt-right group but they hired that boat to go and um, stop refugee rescues in yeah. the Mediterranean I mean luckily it was it was blocked by mm. you know counter-activists mm. but Trying to do like they're the learning. Sea Shepherd thing, but yeah. instead of stopping whalers, stopping migrants. It's exactly. So gross. Part of the reason why the Sea Shepherds are doing it because they're not stopping every whaling boat, mm. but what they do do is they raise um, a, 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 a shit, as shitty attention. and liberal as it sounds. They raise awareness of the thing and they make themselves a a vanguard for a particular kind of political action that cannot be ignored, mm. which is what they 
it's what they're slowly trying to do. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, it's easier in America where you've got like virtually the entire right wing kind of mobilising to patrol the border on towers with massive sniper rifles. Yeah. But they're learning. They're they're trying to apply that to um, here as well. They're trying to do the soup kitchen thing, mm. generation identity. They're trying to go yeah. around feeding British homeless people. So you know, asking for documentation, presumably. Mm. You know that yeah. kind of thing. It's oh, just oh, it's so gross. Yeah, they do make my skin crawl. Yeah. I'm just fascinated. I suppose just going back to like the individuals that are involved in uh, that are becoming that end up becoming involved in the alt right. I'm just fascinated by how quickly the full vocabulary they start using the full vocabulary. So, mm. like you say, the cultural Marxism, the Soros, the uh, the anti-feminist um, globalism, the anti-feminist stuff. How quickly they all kind of adopt it. There was a. Um, medievalist medieval studies professor mm. in america who um i think she wrote an article encountered to someone else to another medieval studies professor who said like we shouldn't shy away from discussing uh, racism and sexism in medieval studies mm. and also discussing the fact that the right wing sees upon medieval symbols and things you know the whole deus vault thing yeah the god god wills it is that it i can't remember yeah um from the Crusades, and they use that in, in, in their particular far-right brand, and we shouldn't shy away from discussing that. She wrote an article counter to that, saying you should keep it out of the classroom. Uh, there was a whole debate that went on, and now she's a huge Prison Paul and Milo fan. So that's I looked on her Twitter. It's All she tweets about is she can't wait for Milo to release his huge feature on how SJWs are getting into medieval studies. That is the next thing he's doing, by the way. <laughs> What does Milo know about medieval studies? Well, about as much as he knew about video games. <laughs> because it doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. It's just another grift. It's another grift. Another 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 yeah. yeah. You know, like Jordan, uh, Jordan Peterson. Perfect mm. example. I, I watched... You um, have been watching Jordan Peterson this week. The last two weeks. And I've ruined my, the algorithm on my YouTube now. <laughs> I refuse. I refu- as I said at the start, I refuse to. I did no research for this. Um, my YouTube, it, it used to be good. It used to just be, hey, look, here's how you do this bit in Dark Souls. Or, <laughs> hey, look, this is a speed run for this. Um, <laughs> and anime music videos. And now <laughs> it's all, watch as so-and-so destroys feminists. Yeah. Watches so and so destroys SJ Dub or, or trans person. Um, <laughs> Exposes feminist lies. Yeah, and Rebel Media keeps on popping up on it now as well. <laughs> um, which, yeah, and Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Oh my God, the man is. He's baffling. He's one of the most, uh, in a very like vicarious sense, it is fascinating to look at him. The way he talks and the way he acts in every room he's in shows him to be a perfect example of just how far a mediocre white man can get. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's a perfect example of that, the life the life journey, the, um, the career path of the alt-right grifter. Yep. Of he's teaching at a university. He takes a very principled stand towards the the control of language because he doesn't want to refer to someone by their, he won't be told by the government how to refer to someone by their preferred pronouns. 
he gets in trouble. He then becomes a multi-millionaire doing tours about how he can't talk. With the tickets costing over a hundred quid a pop. That motherfucker has been invited to write the preface to the 50th anniversary edition of the Gulag Archipelago. I can't think of anyone better apart from maybe Milo. I mean, look, aside from uh, whatever we think about the Gulag Archipelago, and I, I, have, I have thought a lot about it, hmm. um, I wouldn't, I don't know, I'd, it, I've mixed feelings on it. Um, Solzhenitsyn was insane. Um, at times, the most virulent anti-Semite you've ever seen. <laughs> at other times, just a religious maniac. <laughs> um, the two genders. The two genders. <laughs> but... The idea of it's a historical doc it's a histo- it's a historical document. He knows nothing mm. of history. He focuses he knows nothing of fucking philosophy, which is something that he should be maybe it would not be as surprising to know that he knew something about being a professor of psychology. Mm. But he uses terms like postmodernism, mm. like he didn't read the book, mm. which he didn't. He blames all of the West's problems on approximately 12 60-year-old French academics who died 40 (laughs) years ago, who nobody has read. The big complaint is that they're indecipherable. Yeah. I would question that, but, you know, fine, I get it. If you don't want to put the effort in, fair enough. Yeah. Um, But for him to write the preface to that... (laughs) And it's solely, solely an anti-communist, like mm. right-wing oh, yeah. move. Whatever, like I say, whatever like you a, think of the Gulag Archipelago. But it's, a, um, it's not even the whole one. It's a reduced. It's like a. Uh, it's yeah. It's a, an edited, an edited version. I think yeah. the whole thing's fucking huge. Yeah, I think it's essentially it's like a five-page pamphlet that just says communism is bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, it yeah he's 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 prof- he's really. I think beyond everything else, he is so annoying. Yeah. And it, it all can be just reduced <clears> down to he's your dad. He's not like my dad. Like specifically, It's just like the notion of your dad mm. just telling you to tidy up your room, buck your ideas up, stop listening to that loud music, you crazy kids. What's interesting is that he skipped the entire um, like new right thrust which was much more individualist and much more um, like licentious if we were mm. really like comparing it to old mm. traditional conservatism. Um, he's skipped all that and gone back to morally restrictive, mm. um, I mean, ultimately individualism, but family-based individualism, mm. like kind of Victorian morality. Mm. Um, skipping ev- all of the rest of the stuff, maybe filling, to a certain extent, taking older conservative ideas and making them more palatable except for the points when he you know goes off his nut on like Adorno or Heidegger or not Heidegger but um, Adorno or um, uh, Derrida or someone like mm. that who you know apparently ruined the world by mm. making us question things Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's um, he's ruined my Twitter so I'm going to have to like watch a load of I don't know <laughs> Evangelion videos I mean that's the kind of thing that makes me more suspicious of the thing as a planned thing. The, the Steve Bannon thing as well. Also, there's not much for me to say about Jordan Peterson, except that the man is just dumb. He's, yeah. he's willfully ignorant to the point of it just being offensive. He's an intellectual minnow. What he's done very well 
is work out how you're supposed to look when you're saying things. Yeah, because that's what, that's, what the like that's, that's what the alt-right love more than anything. The interesting fact about a lot of these like so-called intellectuals <clears throat> is that they talk a lot about masculinity and yet they have a great amount of distance from what would be considered traditional masculinity. Mm. They ain't got no fucking oil workers. No. Uh, you know, spouting stuff and saying I educated myself about the truth about about feminism. It's a psychology professor who, like, I've seen him sit. He sits. He sits in a way that, like, if there was like a pickup artistry for self confidence, he looks like he's read a book on self confidence. Like, this is how you sit. You lounge back, Mm. like, uh, almost one hundred and eighty degrees in whatever chair you're in, even if it's like a even if it's a stool, to show that you're not bothered by the person. You drape your fucking bony, skinny leg <laughs> over one over the other to show that you're in command, and then, like like a leaf floating to the ground, you place one hand on <laughs> your knee. That's the only pose I've ever seen him strike, mm. and it's like it's the kind of thing that. I, I I grew up I didn't grow up very masculine but I've been around like what you would call traditionally masculine men in masculine professions bouncers and mm. like um, construction mm. and stuff like that building sites and like that's that's not doesn't tend to be a kind of body language that you would associate with traditional masculinity same thing with um uh what was I who was I talking about um I mean Bannon mm. Bannon made all his money in telly mm. He didn't make his money like bedock or boxing. Yeah, rig. yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a very, it's a very odd, odd kind of thing. Like, yeah, I don't know what. What does Count Dankula do? Is he just a YouTuber? I think he is. Um, a fucking Paul Joseph Watson has worked for a website mm. for his entire life. Mm. He's thirty-eight. I found out today. He's been working for Infowars since two thousand and two. Oh he started. He got his job by posting. You know, the dream. <laughs> Posting on message boards and then getting a paid job where you just get to sit on the internet all day. <laughs> Fucking dream. Um, but none of these are like particularly... It's, it's odd. Yeah. I'll just say it's, it, it's a gap hmm. there. They're not talking from experience. They are talking entirely about ideations hmm. of the things that they're talking about. Definitely. It's an, it's an odd one. I think it's an interesting... like That is an interesting point to it because, let's face it, a lot of people who would call themselves alt-right don't tend to have don't tend to find themselves in positions where their masculinity is like they do feel like they're like cucked or they do feel like their masculinity isn't properly recognized because like in a rich western country most of the even the service jobs are going to be operating tills Mm. or doing computers Mm. you know um and of course like like anything, um, neoliberalism has kind of gutted people's chances for the future and people are looking around asking, where, how did I get here? Mm. You know, how did I, I get into this? It, like Neoliberalism asked, it, and they are mostly men, neoliberalism asked questions of these men that not only did they not know how to answer, mm. but they would never be able to answer because that wasn't the point of, of what it was. You've got a low wage, not because you're, um, you're somehow lacking but because it will always be a low wage. It's designed yeah. to be a low wage. You are never supposed to have anything more. These are simply people who have found a kind of kindred spirit in blaming kind of outside forces for a particular deficiency that they feel. 
Mm. It's an odd one. I don't like psychologising it too much because I think people stand on their own political ideologies yeah. more or less, but I think there's definitely an element of that and it kind of accounts for the kind of oddness of a lot of the alt-right figures. Mm. They've got ticks about them. They've got... Uh, They've got deficiencies. They've got like vulnerabilities that mm. maybe they think they're oppressing. Like Prison Paul could not look any any more vulnerable. Oh god, he looks like a fucking baby bird that's fallen out of the nest. Yeah, that picture he posted of him being outside. Yeah, um, at High Park. Mm. Um, they, yeah, it's so rare to see him outside, but he, yeah, he, he does look like he. And I think nervous I think there is a, a there is a subtle yeah there there must there must be a subtle psychological effect of seeing someone like that and like them posturing at being brave mm. and kind of taking a risk even though you know these people have never taken a risk in their life oh god no no, no. Mm. yeah they've kind of the way that they work is they as we've discussed they plant the seed with every video that they do mm. they build up this this body of work and, and if they can reach one person and plant a seed that they can then launch all of this bullshit, this nonsense at. Yeah. It it works to it works to any time any of those people feel like a victim. You know, whether they get dumped or whether they can't find a girlfriend or, you know, whenever they feel oppressed in any way, they have an immediate victim mentality that they can spring back to. In many ways, like I was thinking about this about whether the alt right are trying to play the Nazi handbook, like the Nazi like book of how to get to power yeah. right the nazi book goes you make speeches in public you constantly appear in public you make speeches you gather a small cadre around you then you get put in prison mm. and then you can become a huge victim mm. but that required like in the german context it required like the stab in the back myth mm. it required kind of a notion of betrayal and the fact that things weren't right you need a, a fresh Mm. A, a fresh fascism to yeah. cleanse everything make it all right again of which you need like a previous idea of what a right society would look like yeah, yeah? and I think like um, this kind of thing this like victim mentality that they, they, they are constantly crafting allows people to feel like they've been stabbed in the back mm. they don't, we don't have that society wide trauma although don't get don't get me wrong it's fucking coming, yeah. whether it's the next recession or the next Brexit. big terrorist attack or Brexit, this 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 explanation mm. is coming for the far right and we mm. should all be prepared for that. But they don't have a society-wide kind of betrayal narrative yet whereby mm. it, that's, what, that's what gels those people together. If they all feel like they're Germans or they all feel like they're British and they've been, you know, done wrong... Mm that becomes the motivating idea for that for more people to get out on the streets. And mm. if it's in the context of a recession, when you haven't got a job to go to, mm. it becomes a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Um, Sorry. I did notice that with the um, the free Tommy thing. Mm. He's become... He's got more people supporting him now than he's had for a while. He has, yeah. he had lots when the EDR were in their heyday. Yeah, that would have been, what, 2005... I can't remember off the top of my head. I but. guess. Maybe a bit later, actually. Yeah. But, I mean, he'd gotten to the stage where he'd gone to prison for fraud, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like mortgage He went fraud. to prison for, for, for... That's it, mortgage fraud. Because in... Oh, as well as everything else, not only is he a small business owner and not the bedrock of working-class fucking Britain, <laughs> but he's also a landlord. Yeah. <laughs> which absolutely kills me. Mm. It really does. 
um, he had gone to prison for mortgage fraud. He'd come out, I think, with the help of Quilliam, yeah. Majid Nawaz's chari- ex-jihadi charity. It's a weird Or anti-ext- anti-extremism charity. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of that was... Um, I mean, it was largely seems to be Majid Nawaz's grift, but it had like quite a quite a large presence because Blair, particularly in the last years of his yeah, premiership, got into that and got them into certain hmm. corridors of power and gave them certain support. They helped Tommy Robinson get out of prison. I think they get paid him some money as an ex extremist, and he was going to go around lecturing. That's a, that's alleged. Alleged by Tommy Robinson. <laughs> Denied by Majid Nawaz. <laughs> Um, and then he tried to set up uh, Pegida UK yeah um, which I think they tried to set it up in a small warehouse in Birmingham and there were about like six people there yeah but that's sort of merged and become like for Britain now Uh, yeah there there are always these floating groups and he but that was like his nadir that was his lowest point yeah that means lowest point doesn't it nadir I don't know okay yeah that was that was was his lowest point yeah um and since then, he's slowly worked his way up, but with the help of this other network, which yeah. is starting to congeal around him. So yeah, he started Rebel working for, for Rebel Media, yeah. Yeah, that... Rebel Media is a weird one. Jack Buckby, that guy I mentioned, that yeah. kid I mentioned earlier, also works for Rebel Media. Yeah, it's um, one of the videos I saw, because um, I've watched quite a few of their ones. I can't handle a lot of them. There was one that I, yeah, cause I, I couldn't turn off. I was like it. just dumbfounded. Yeah. Where it was like, um, it was a video that was done by this woman who, like a lot of the women on Rebel Media, yeah, um, used to, I, I think, used to be a glamour model and is mm. now a Nazi. Oh um, God! There's a lot of them. That one. There's, <laughs> that, that, yeah. there's more than one. Yeah. Um, but this is a thing about. <coughs> um, there'd been there was a woman who suffered abuse for being fat, and mm. she'd called out the fat phobia. Yeah. And this whole video was. It's good that she was she was shouted at because she's fat, and it's like a five minute video which mm. is just that, and I couldn't take my eyes away from it. <laughs> and Rebel Media is just like that kind of shit. Yeah, I watched it. I, I, I tell a lie. I didn't dip into a lot of alt right media in preparation for this. One thing I did watch because it's an abiding hatred of mine was um, Gavin McInnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, founder of Vice interviewing Jim Goad, who is like used to be like a kind of Gen X punk icon. He did a zine called Answer Me that made mm. a load of rape jokes in the nineties. He's that guy. Cool. He, like so, you know, cool. like Vice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then after that, you know, got arrested for beating up his girlfriend and uh, various other great, great things. He became kind of a proto alt right guy. He wrote for Tacky Mag. Yeah, um, for quite a while, but it was a it was Gavin McInnes interviewing this guy Jim Goad, like, and it's two old Gen X guys going on about how like, um, like these kids are so psychotic. They're all on antidepressants. Of course, they were both on Adderall at the time, <laughs> but you know they're all pilled up and they can't focus. And it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that to myself anymore. No, no, I really, really couldn't do it. Um, so. That's that's kind of what they've got to now. You've got various different elements of the alt right and the far right, anti Islamophobia, anti feminism, mm. uh, anti left, mm. um, anti anti communist like stuff, all kind of coalescing around. It seems to be at the moment Tommy Robinson, mm. um, 
they're getting money, they're getting the ability to support key figures in their kind of infrastructure, mm. um, and they're using the internet to get out there. There was actually, because in the early days of the alt-right, there were actually a few, like, they tried to set up alternative um, media outlets, mm. so alternative Facebook, alternative Twitter, yeah. alternative YouTube, that kind of thing. Um, they've all died off because, of course, they would do because it requires them to get out there and, as we said, plant that seed yeah. in order to grow. They mm. can't They can't isolate themselves off. When they're isolated, off. it's like when the EDL used to get cattled and they'd all start fighting with each other. Yeah. Because they'd fall back into their, their yeah. own, their old feuds. Yeah. And also the, the ultimate clarion call of the alt-right is, why won't you debate with me? I want to debate. Why won't you debate with me? Yeah. And, like, it's never for... Like, you be clear about it. It's not for, like, clarity or information or to make up your mind. Mm. I mean, I've got a pretty low opinion of, like, public debate and it's what it means and how convincing it is and its role. It's utterly 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, worthless. Yeah. It is debate rules and all that kind of yeah guff is it's worthless for anything serious in many ways they kind of parliamentary procedure and that have have kind of restricted it and beaten it the mm. idea of de- like political debate to within an inch of its life to where it's worthless now because they're all good at it mm. as in good at it as in they survive survive yeah by their rules but that means surviving without looking like like making too much of a tit mm. not being michael howard on newsnight mm. since michael howard on newsnight since jeremy paxman did that shit mm. everybody has been able to to beat it because yeah. you just say nothing yeah. you just carry on saying what you think it doesn't matter about the question that was asked no. it doesn't matter about the thing you're trying to communicate because what you're trying to communicate is i'm not a tit mm. and it's when the alt-right asks for these kind of debates it's not for information. It's not for clarity. It's mm. not to prove the superiority of their ideas. Not just mm. because public debates don't prove the superiority of ideas. No. They don't determine what ideas are selected and are successful. The idea is to further reinforce like this, this particular body of knowledge and get those words out there. Yeah, it's um, to hegemonize. It's, it's, and it's to like infect. Yes, it's yeah. like it's. Um, it, and it's always the things that they choose to debate. It's like it's it's always things. It is, it's really revolting stuff that mm. has no place being debated. Mm. Like for example, the Holocaust. Yeah. Or a trans person's right to exist. Yeah. It's these aren't things that should ever to be ever be debated. Yeah. The, the the argument should always be shut down. Yeah. Because what what what's their what would what would be the situation if say they won? Yeah. The alternative. <laughs> like, the alternative. Hey everybody. Is- Holocaust is over. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> Readjust your history books. And of course, like being fashed, they think they're one of those that they're, they're a group that think that they're cleverer than they are. So at the same time as all of this stuff about the proper procedure and mm. free speech is going on, underneath it all, they are already trying to exclude exclude other voices and mm. get theirs to be the only voice that has been heard. Again, not through argument, 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 but. Not through argument or reason, mm. but through um, like skullduggery and exclusion and violence. Mm. That's always been the way they operate. There yeah. was a story um, apparently. Um, uh, conversations uploaded by the Twitter account Alt Right Leaks appear to show members of the European Alt Right group Reconquista Germanica. That sounds very nice. Um, discussing ways to manipulate YouTube with fake accounts in order to boost visibility of their preferred videos and bury videos they don't like. Mm. Because that's, of course, they would. Because it, they don't. 
It's weird. Um, yeah. The way the YouTube's algorithm works is shocking. Like it, it was like I watched one video and then bam, that's all I'm being recommended now. Yeah. It's gonna take me a while to clean it up. I might just like burn this account and start a new one. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to start a burner account for all of your teeth fetish videos <laughs> and alt right videos that you love so much. My poor teeth. I got onto as a side note. I got onto a disgusting track of um. Looking at ratting videos. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm wrong. <laughs> I kept rats as pets until I moved house. Yeah. And I couldn't couldn't keep them anymore. Um, it's like farmers digging up um, fields. Yeah, I know what ratting is. Yeah, no, but the listeners might. <laughs> it's farmers digging up videos yeah. and having like a whole pack of dogs mm. um, grabbing rats as they scurry out of the thing and shake them about and killing them. Mm. I couldn't look away <laughs> because I'm a monster. <laughs> but, you know... Society made me this way. The internet made me this way. And after watching all those rank videos, you got a lot of videos being recommended to you about Jordan Peterson owning a feminist. <laughs> it's going to be fucking horrific. Like as we were talking about, like the the alt right, the thing that they lack is um, some kind of like society wide trauma, like World mm. War One. It's like World War One. Like I came back with like one arm and and you know shell shock, and I came back to like to Germany to no food mm. and to like people running around in the streets and my money was worthless. And it's like. Uh, I saw two girls, one cup when I was 12. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I t- saw two girls, one cup when I was 12, and even though I bring this up with every woman I meet, none of them will take me. <laughs> it's the, it is. It's the one, the one thing they lack. Like, as far as what made Nazism so barbaric, there is an argument to be made that seeing World War I from the, and, its, and its aftermath from so closely and seeing it happen mm. in their society in real time, as it were... Um, it arguably desensitised mm. an entire generation of, of German men and women, yeah. made the horrors and barbarism that came with Nazism much more, much easier to commit just mm. because there were parts of their brain that had been broken. I, I, Definitely. There is a, there is a certain um, sense to that. But like, it's the only thing they don't have at the moment, which yeah. luckily, luckily, capitalism is not known <laughs> for producing... Sudden shocks <laughs> of such deprivation and barbarity <laughs> that it should mobilize an entire generation to, yeah. you know, commit terrible acts just to keep their two up, two down in Wiltshire. <laughs> oh. Which is, is, you know, depressing. The other thing, of course, is, as we mentioned at the beginning, the alt right doesn't have to win. Mm. Fascism doesn't have to win to achieve its goals. <clears throat> we just look at, we already have. Camps for migrants. Yeah. We have people talk, you know, like the migrant sentiment in this country is disgusting. Yeah. Um, they already win so many little things. And like the papers have, have taken on most of their talking points. Well, the culture secretary mm. um, has already said he wants a list drawn up mm. of um, universities who know platform mm. people. Universities? Which are don't know platform people, student mm. unions, but that's a distinction that he has quite handily left out. Yeah, and you know that whole Rudyard Kipling thing just happened to get blown up just at the time where he announced mm. these policies. Just happened to. It was yeah. just a weird thing. Um, but I mean, you know, it's not it's not hard to see how the next kind of recession is going to be probably worse and longer lasting than mm. the two thousand eight crisis and. Like, if Trump and Brexit are any weather vane of the condition of liberal capitalist societies in Europe and the US, they've got very little left yeah. 
other than Love Island water bottles mm. to assuage uh, a peop- like the people who they are truly scared of, which is the working class. Yeah, they are the they are the massive people in most countries, and they don't states don't have they don't have hegemony anymore. Mm. Their their authority is not automatically assumed as much as it was in the nineties. Mm. Uh, they don't have the financial resources to bail out banks again mm. or to bail out society. Indeed, if they ever did, it would just be austerity coming back, which would only lead to like horror. Well, you look at um, how Europe is taking all of this stuff. Guy Verhofstadt is still doing the mm. reforms, reforms. Yeah. I, in short, they have liberal capitalism has run out of ideas. Mm. And if it's threatened now by a resurgent left, by... Uh, greater demands for kind of an egalitarian society or at least a new society mm. you can see suddenly how a ton of far-right militants would be very useful to a state that's in trouble mm. and so that's why nazis don't have to win they always just make deals mm. uh, mussolini made a deal with the king of italy that's how he became a dictator um Hitler did a deal with um, oh, what's his name, the Chancellor at the time, the President mm. at the time, um, Hindenburg. Mm. Um, he made a deal with him. That's how he became Chancellor. Uh, they appeal to traditional conservative elites and the state when they feel in jeopardy. Mm. And you know, that's the, if that's the state's best chance of continuing its status quo, then we're in a lot of fucking trouble. Yeah, like this seems stupid now, mm. but fucking Julius Stryker and and Himmler and all that. Himmler used to play with fucking toy soldiers and was chucked out of the seminary for being too boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he he was a laughing stock. Hitler was a laughing stock. People used to people high society people in Berlin and Munich used to invite Hitler to their high, swanky parties yeah. because he was like a party piece. He was yeah. funny. Yeah, and that's not. The comparison is not so... The analogy is not so far distant. No, not at now, all. Not at all. When you've got alt-right people being interviewed in, in the Times yeah. and in the Telegraph. Bring Steve and in, Bannon all over the place. Uh, Steve Bannon. Perfect Tacky example. to parties. Yeah. <laughs> Prison Paul being New Himmler. <laughs> um, yeah, and like even even liberals, you know, like the, he- like the he- hegemonic liberalism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while they might not actively support the alt-right, you see how many people came out in support of like Count Dankula mm. when he had that uh, conviction. Mm-hmm. You know, he got fined £800. Yeah. And he's raised over 100,000, almost £200,000 for an appeal. Jesus. £800 fine. That's yeah. it. And the number of people, the number of liberal people who could not see the danger of putting someone up there like that mm. and defending them. Like... Hegemonic liberalism seems all too happy to, you know, put down people who go too far. Mm. So ripping down the Rudyard Kipling thing mm. or asking for more black authors in, in curriculums and things like that. What, a black author? Uh, any, just yeah. really, any of them. Mm. Um, you see how, f- how far it could swing between active support from a, a, a mainstream media that just desires that kind of... Um, Desires those those views those those mm. like clicks mm. and a liberalism that won't fucking lift a finger yeah. to actually see rather than defending kind of 
vague notions and concepts, but to actually look at the physical reality of what's going on around them. There's a recurring thing with like when liberals defend the free speech of Nazis mm. that like they do they do the thing of like but what if we start doing it if we start control like stopping their free speech mm-hmm. what if someone comes for us it's like you know if they get into power you'll just be they'll just do it yeah they won't say oh but you did us a solid when you put count dankula on your radio show yeah you did us a solid then <clears throat> you say, it's all right Piers Morgan you had figgy you had um, Steve Bannon on so you know we're all good <laughs> It's... They don't care. No. Well, no, come on now. Liberals did very, very well. (laughs) Edgelord liberals from the 90s, the 1890s, did very, very well in Nazi Germany. They did. They did amazingly well. It's fantastic. You know, they didn't at all go around burning degenerate art or anything (laughs) like that. You know, you won't be able to make any more rape jokes. Yeah. But it's not... It's not all bad. Um... They are ludicrous, but they are organising. And that's kind of worrying. The happy note to end on, because we've just spent two minutes trying to think of a happy note. It probably doesn't come across, I imagine you'll edit this out. I will edit that that long sigh that we just had, staring blankly into the void. Happy note. Okay. If you are actually concerned about the problems of a society, fascism never, ever, ever has any solution for the material problems that actually matter. Hmm. Right? only egalitarian, progressive, socialist thought Mm. has a solution for the basic problem, which is the allocation of resources Mm. and a fairer society. They're the only things that actually solve those kind of problems. Mm. Nationalism doesn't solve it. Papering over the cracks. Culture wars don't solve it. Uh, What solves it is actual action. And luckily, with some provisos... There is a revitalised left in this country that I think even if Corbynism goes away, isn't going to go away. There are too many people who are thinking too deeply now about things that matter around like, um, like anti-racism, like th- th- like thoughts around gender hmm. um, and economic issues. There's too much of that going on for it simply to go away. And we know what it felt like when those things were not discussed. Yeah. New Labour never discussed those things, actively harmed them in many ways. Mm. But we're in a period now where everything's kind of in flux, but those things can be discussed again and taken seriously. Mm. It's what kind of innovates a lot of people, I think, on Twitter, Mm. the Twitter left. The idea that they're not being taken seriously. Mm. The idea that uh, if you propose like a higher rate of tax for top earners, that somehow it's unpalatable. Mm. But... The good thing is there's a whole movement that has realised that's not the case and the alt-right have not realised that. They're still in cultural war mode mm. and it's dangerous, but they never take these things seriously. Mm. So that's a happy note, I think. Yeah, that's a relative yeah. note. Yeah, all right. Do it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And that's it for this week. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my dick.